We welcome into the program Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Hey, Mike, when when you bounce around during the spring and and, and visit these these campuses, what is what are some of the things that you're looking looking for specifically as uh, as you visit these schools? Uh, magazine helps. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's that time of year. You know, for me, most of my stuff is due uh, very early in May. So you know, with spring practice going on. Uh, we kind of just try to get to every single one of these programs that we can and, and get a good feel of what the two deeps looking like, who the players uh, that, you know, maybe we didn't see as much of last year or transferred in, who who are those guys that are really emerging that they think are going to play in year one. And then in the transfer portal, you know, era, you got to kind of have to figure out who's still on campus. Um, you know, not all the spring rosters get updated as, as quickly as some other places and stuff. So, you know, some of it's just getting on campus and going, okay, is this guy here? Is that guy here? And uh, just trying to see, you know, kind of what their two deep looking like moving forward or as close as you can get to it, you know, right now. Are In the spring, as these guys compete for jobs and things of that nature, are the coaches and in, in the SIDs, are they, are they receptive to, to passing that information along to you? I think so. I mean, we, we've built a reputation. I mean, it has nothing to do with me, right? I mean, just the company's built a reputation that we'll hold on to that stuff until the magazine comes out in summer. And, and a lot of that stuff will be, you know, kind of answered as spring, you know, uh, games are kind of done. People are going to start to get the feel for, you know, what that too deep is. So, you know, we get we get some, some, some of that stuff behind the scenes knowing that it's not going to come out to the general public until June or July. But also that stuff, you know, is always fluid, you know, just because they give us a two deep in April doesn't mean that's going to be the two deep in August. Uh, May 1st is kind of the day you can enter the you know, that last day you can enter the transfer portal. So, you know, we'll be monitoring, uh, you know, that last week of April to see if any of those guys kind of bolt off, especially from the G5 schools. You know, at, at a place like Baylor, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, uh, if those guys are going to start, you don't necessarily have to, you know, worry about them in the transfer portal. Well, out of UTEP, you got to worry about it on both sides. You got to worry about the guys who aren't getting enough playing time. But then you got to worry about the star players. I mean, like their best player last year, their best receiver, Jacob Cowley, he's at Arizona now. So you kind of have to worry about it on both sides for those programs. So uh, for me, kind of compiling that information at the G5 level is a little bit more important than the P5 level just because you can find that stuff on those Power 5 schools much easier online. On all levels in college football, who has the best program or the strongest program right now going into the fall in your mind? Uh, it's hard to argue against Baylor. You know, I mean, I know I'm on a Waco show, so that's going to sound kind of like the homer pick. But, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer, offensive line, defensive line. If you're, if you're strong there, you're going to figure it out for the most part. I'd argue they have the best offensive line, best defensive line in the state, you know, even better than A&M. Um, so especially because A&M lost so many guys on, on their defensive line. I know they recruited the heck out of that position, and they're probably going to be pretty good there. But if you're Baylor, I mean, you have to feel pretty, you know, four out of your five offensive line starters are back. Uh, you have some really, you know, good defensive linemen up front already. Then you add a Jackson player. I think Baylor, you know, is pretty stable there. And then if you look around the rest of the state, you know, Texas is still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, TCU, SMU have new coaches. Texas Tech has a new coach. Um, so I, I think right now UTSA, Houston at the G5 level are, are in pretty good spots. And then if we're looking at the Power 5 level, I, I think Baylor's the pretty obvious answer right now. Mike, and you mentioned A&M there. Let's talk a little bit about the Aggies. They had their spring game over the weekend, and I know there was a lot of talk leading up to this about the quarterback battle 
Uh, you have Max Johnson come over from LSU. Obviously, Haynes King coming off that energy injury, and we know what Connor Wagman can do. But I really wasn't impressed by any of those guys. I thought there was a lot of room for improvement. Evan Stewart really blew me away uh, at the receiver position. But what were some of the things that caught your eye from that A&M spring game? Yeah, I don't know if they're any closer to knowing who their quarterback is today than they were last week, and that's never a good thing. You want that spring game to kind of be a, a solidifying factor in your mind where you can take that as a data point, and, and I, they all three struggled. And, and for me, what's amazing at A&M is that wide receiver position just isn't very good. Uh, and then you lose Jared Weidemeyer at tight end, and so who are the options uh, passing the ball wise. I mean, it looks like Evan Stewart is clear in a way their best wide receiver, and that's never a good sign for a wide receiver room if a kid who still technically should be in high school walks in and is obviously uh, your best player. So they're going to have to figure out that wide receiver position, or it's not going to matter too much who the quarterback is. They're not going to get enough separation to get open and really threaten SEC defenses. I, I think we saw that a little bit last year. I don't think Zach Calzada is that bad of a quarterback. I'm just not sure he had many open windows to throw the ball into to wide receivers that were running open. And outside of Evan Stewart, I don't know if they have any of those guys again this year. Let's talk Texas Tech. Uh, Joy McGuire leaves Baylor, goes to uh, Lubbock. What's his biggest challenge this spring? Trying to figure out what that depth is on the offensive line, defensive line. You know, That's just something that Texas Tech has never been able to be good at, at least in my kind of time following college football even as like a college student and stuff it, it just always feels like the weak link weak, weak link in Lubbock is offensive line defensive line the trenches being tough playing kind of grown man football they've never been good at that you know Joey McGuire is a Matt Rule type coach he's going to want to be good in the trenches there's a reason Baylor is really really good offensive line and defensive line right now and a lot of that stems back to, to Matt Rule and even a little bit Joey McGuire in terms of what they were able to recruit there he wants to do that same thing in Lubbock, and it's going to take more than one offseason. But in the transfer portal era, you know, you can kind of speed that process up. He signed four different transfers on the offensive line, Ty Buchanan from USC being the latest. So, you know, he you ask him about it, it's like, who are your top five offensive linemen? He's like, oh, I don't know yet, but we've signed so many. We're going to find five, you know. <laughs> so I think he's going, he's going with the numbers thing there. And then defensively, you know, they're going from an odd man front to kind of a multiple front under Tim DeRuiter. That should help them out because they have some smaller defensive linemen that now instead of having to play the four-eye position, they can go out wide. So I think defensively they're going to get better. It, it really is just kind of figuring out who the big guys are because as he, as he talks about, as Matt Rule used to always say, you know, big guys beat up on little guys, and, and they're going to have to figure that out before they can really compete in the Big 12. With TCU and Sonny Dykes uh, in that offense, with Joseph Gillespie running that new defense for the Frogs, how different is TCU going to look to folks? I, I believe TCU may be the most fascinating team to watch this year because of that reason. Like it, We're just so used to watching Gary Patterson-led teams for the last 20 years that it's going to look foreign to see TCU taking some chances offensively and defensively. I, I think they're going to be a lot less risk-adverse. You know, They're going to take some chances over the top. That offense is going to be spread out. They're going to throw the ball, kind of quick tempo type stuff a lot of times. Um, and then and then defensively, it will be interesting to see kind of if they stay kind of 4-2-5 and kind of keep the, the same principles that Gary Patterson ran there for so long, given the, the roster that they have, or if they kind of immediately move into what they'd like to do long term. And I think that's adding a little bit more speed to the field kind of being more of a, a modern defense. Because, you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, Gary Patterson was lauded as this, like, 
you know, modern defensive coach in the early 2000s, just being able to keep up with some of those new offenses we were seeing. But as the decade kind of rolled on, you know, it was getting kind of more basic and more behind. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do a little bit more exotic stuff in that defense, kind of get more multiple and do more blitzes, more pressures. I feel like those are the defenses around the Big 12 that worked last year. Talk on Mike Craven of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And Mike, uh, one of the best programs – in the state for as far as college football goes over the past few years have been has been Sam Houston and now they're going to have to enter this season without Eric Schmidt he announces that he's going to enter the draft what are your thoughts on Schmidt's career at Sam Houston and is this a guy that is more than likely going to end up north of the border in the that USFL or XFL yeah so from what I understood you know they coach Keeler I talked to him a little bit last week for the magazine stuff and you know they kind of advised Eric to go through all the NFL pro day stuff but just don't hire an agent and see what the you know response was because he technically still had another year because of the COVID year stuff but it sounds like he got enough attention from the Canadian League and a couple of XFL teams to where he's going to go pro um, and that's a big deal for for Sam Houston I, I you know they're in that transition year where this is going to be their last year at SDS and they're going to move up to FBS. You know, I could argue that Eric Schmidt is as big of a reason that's happening as anybody. And, you know, his ability to put Sam Houston on the national map over the last couple of years is what put Sam Houston on the radar, uh, you know, of FBS, uh, of trying to fill out Conference USA. When Conference USA was kind of left holding the bag and they needed to find some play, you know, find some teams to kind of fill those spots up that they were going to lose. You know, Sam Houston became the obvious choice because, one, you know, they're in Texas, and that gives them two Texas teams along with UTEP to kind of keep that, that going, kind of a bridge between the teams out west and the teams east. Uh, but also the amount of success they've had, and a lot of that has to do with Eric Schmidt. It's going to be a tough year for Sam Houston. They're going to have to reload. They lost 11 All-Americans. It's not just Schmidt uh, that's leaving. And so uh, they're going to they're gonna have to rebuild that roster. B.J. Foster from Texas is out there now. They do have extra scholarships because they're in that transition year. Uh, from SDS to FBS, so it'll be interesting to see what what happens with them because they're they're a team that can't go. When you've been on a team that's been competing for one of those for the last three or four seasons, how do those players respond to not having that carrot to chase? That'll be an interesting thing to watch with them. Visiting with Mike Craven from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Uh, Mike, you mentioned Gary Patterson a minute ago. He's a special assistant down in Austin now. What kind of stamp? will Gary Patterson have on the Texas football team, in your opinion? So I've been a staunch – so I think that when Pete Kukowski and that Texas defensive staff got to got to Texas, they, they thought the Big 12 was what it was a decade ago. You know, and they're playing a bunch of too high safety. You know, they're not they're going to bend but don't break. It's a passing league. We're not, not going to let anything over the top. Well, well, it's not anymore. You know, you look at Baylor and Oklahoma State, those were two physical teams that ran the football, and they were playing for a Big 12 championship. And so I think Gary Patterson brings in some knowledge about the Big 12 and the way the offenses run that, frankly, the Texas staff on offense or defense just didn't have. I think if there's, you know, there's multiple things probably to, to kind of hate on for what Sark did in year one, but one of them is, is he just didn't bring in enough guys with, with knowledge about the Big 12 in the state of Texas. Like when Matt Rule came to Baylor, he did it about as perfectly as you could do. And I, I don't know if Sark followed that blueprint. He kind of brought in his own guys and his hotshot uh, staff. And I just think they were overwhelmed last year. I think the Big 12 caught them off guard. I think it was a different conference than what they imagined it was going to be. I would imagine Gary Patterson can come in and kind of do some self-scouting and go, hey, 
here's the things we're doing that are wrong. Here's some things that I've done to help. And they just kind of blend, uh, you know, those processes together and, and see if that defense can fix itself a little bit. Because it was historically bad last year. And I think Texas' offense is going to be plenty good. They're just going to have to figure out how to stop somebody. Mike, we've seen conference shuffles and shakeups. It's almost like a year-in, year-out thing. And there's been a lot this year as well. But when you look at Lamar heading back to the Southland Conference, what benefits does that bring them? And, and what is the reasoning behind this move? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think it's all travel costs, to, to be quite frank with you. I, I think, you know, in the Southland Conference, it costs a lot less to travel for your volleyball team and your basketball teams and your baseball team and, you know, those sports that don't make a lot of money. Football-wise, you know, I think the WAC would be fine for them. Uh, but I, I, I think with Sam Houston leaving the WAC and just the uncertainty that is uh, in that conference kind of being kind of the feeder school into the FBS, you know, I think they, I think Lamar looked at it and goes, okay, we can have stability in the Southland, play a bunch of teams that we're equal to budget wise, and we can spend less money on it. And so, you know, those are just factors that some of those small schools have to have to pay attention to that maybe some of the bigger ones don't. Hey, Micah, what are you working on right now? What, this very minute, what, what are you working on for Dave Campbell's Texas football? So I have opened up my computer and I am transcribing interviews from Stephen F. Austin so I can get that I can get that section right. I there's twelve FBS sections, uh, four FCS sections, three conference sections, the main preview and the national preview. So I have a a, play, a, a pretty busy April, and then we're also kind of doing like a three burning questions uh, series online of kind of you know my three biggest questions about each program, kind of going into that second off season between spring and the fall and, and kind of stuff that maybe wasn't figured out during the spring that still needs to be figured out uh, going into the summer. I'm telling right now, we're watching closely the uh, the competition for the uh, best grub on Friday night across the state of Texas on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. That's that's a good piece right there. Uh, gives you, gives gives the reader a, uh, a heads up on where to go when they're in that particular community on Friday nights. Yeah, that was a good idea by our editorial team. Um, you know, I, I'm a city kid, so, like, you know, I don't know how many uh, options we have. They were just the same as always, like going to Chewy's and stuff like that. We have gotten a lot. It was one of those things where, like, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Like, as soon as we asked for suggestions for, like, a month, yeah, and then as soon as we put it out there, you know, there's like 40 people who are like, why didn't you put this one in there? It's like, we asked you for it. So, uh, you know, just – one of those, one of those things. But yeah, with March Madness, we were trying to figure out a bracket, and that's the one that we came up with for this year. We, we've we've thought it, it's done pretty well so far. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Hey, Mike, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Talk to you soon, Mike Craven, covering the Lone Star State at the collegiate level for Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine.